get excited next week for Gav's like super tough, challenging quiz that's tough gonna quiz, be yeah. impossible to <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make it. It's gonna be like how many sets did Rod Laver drop in 1953? Something like that. I love it. Something like that. Yeah. Hello, welcome to On the Line Tennis Podcast, episode five. My name is Jack Edward, and my co-host it's Gavin Lang. Good, good evening. How are we doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, good. It's uh, it's been a good week. Lots of tennis and stuff, Gav. Absolutely, yeah. Lots of uh, sleepless nights due to the time zone. Watching other Olympic events like the golf. Yeah. Uh, brutal day started at like half three in the morning, four in the morning. So I just stupidly decided to watch that, and uh, I'm paying the price for it now. But uh, no, um, it was worth watching. But I I was I was so thankful that everything got pushed forward uh, because of the heat. Yes, yeah. it, it was perfect time to watch everything. Basically, nine o'clock I think was when, or a bit earlier than that, were when most of the matches started. Yeah, it was like the streaming open night sessions almost. You know, you got up and then there was tennis just starting, which was yeah. kind of good rather than just joining a match halfway through at one set all or whatever. You know, um, good to be able to watch a full match and not have to really affect your sleep schedule, or whatever. That's yeah. always a nice, uh, a nice bonus. Not really, yeah, a nice bonus, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go quickly run through all the, the winners and stuff for all the listeners at home just so they know exactly who won everything in the Olympics. We had on the men's singles, Sverev beat Katchen over the straight sets and the women's beat Belinda Bencic beat, she beat, she beat Marketa Vondrosova in three sets. In the men's doubles, Nikola Mektic and I'm doing this all in my head, I'm going to forget a name, Mate Pavic, who did they beat? They beat Marin Church and even Doric. Yes, they did, yep. Uh, I mean, just unbeatable at the moment. We'll get on to that. The women's doubles was won by Barbara Krejcikova and Katarina Sinyakova. And the mixed was won by Andre Rublev and Anastasia Pavlichenkova. Yep. Yeah, I think, I think that was all the medals anyway, pretty sure. Hey, why, why don't we start with a wee review of the, the men's side? We can sort of talk about the final first, I guess, and what, what we thought of it. Big letdown. Big yeah. letdown, wasn't it? I mean, going into that match, I thought it was pretty open. I mean, I watched Hashinov against Quirino Busta. His return was really good. That That's one of the areas I was surprised at. You know, usually you think, oh, maybe his return's a wee bit off uh, when it comes to Hashinov, but he returned really well from the back of the court, struck it beautifully, and uh, served brilliantly as well. Looked nearly untouchable in serve, which is, yeah. you know, you think he's got a big serve, but sometimes it's kind of similar to Struth. You know, he struggles to get that first serve percentage particularly high, especially in the big moments of matches. So um, I thought it would be far closer than it was. And obviously, it was a big shock. I know Zverev played incredible. One of the best matches I've seen him play in his career. But Hashinov, for me, just let the ball down a wee bit, you know, especially he, he just couldn't return Zverev's serve. You know, he couldn't find any sort of patterns in his serve. Yeah, he barely um, made the court. And it overswung a wee bit, couldn't time it. And then when he's struggling in his own serve, obviously that, that doesn't make for a good combination. But yeah, it was a big letdown, I think, from Hashinov, but great from Zverev to get the win. Yeah, I've got I've got a few um, stats and catching in his performance. Certainly, I mean, it, it was good all week, but certainly form-wise going into the year, it was a bit more, you know, it was a bit similar to how he had been playing all year, to be honest. I, I sort of looked at how well he'd been doing on return this year he's 96 in the world to return games one that's like that's a mad stat for the year so yeah he, no he's he, not been playing his best best stuff at all this year but it's certainly an area i think that's neglected by a lot of top players you know he just don't seem to 
yeah. when we're talking about, I mean, I mean, players like 20 to 50, for example, like there's a big discrepancy between the top 10 and maybe 20 to 50 in terms of returns made, you know, and stuff like that. You, you constantly see them that struggle to even like just 120 in the middle of the box, they can't get it back regularly yeah. compared to say the top five. You know, it's just some something I think that's quite surprising in terms of. Um, the way that that kind of works out, because when you watch players hit the ball from the back of the court, you think, okay, there's not a big difference between a 50 in the world's forehand and like top five forehand, maybe. And then you look at the returns, it's totally different. Like the numbers of returns made are much larger from the top five uh, than there are from lower ranked yeah. players. Obviously, somebody like Catron's got a very extreme grip, and certainly next gen players in general tend to favour extremer grips than a lot of the older players, and that can sort of leave you a little bit. Uh, vulnerable when you're returning because you know rushes that that shot you know it's, it can be a lot more difficult to time and catch it off certainly he's he's got a, is it is it an extreme western grip uh, yeah very extreme very extreme it's, it's very, it? so yeah, it maybe makes sense without a sort of chip return that he uh so poor in that department and yeah today it was it was just like exacerbated he barely put a ball in the court that was in any way aggressive. I think he won five points on the first serve out of 31, uh, which is right up there with some of Zverev's best performances. Yeah, I mean, Zverev located his serve very well. I think, he, you know, he was quite unpredictable in terms of, like, mixing up his serve location. Um, but still, I think Hashinov just couldn't really read, couldn't find any tell in the Zverev game of where's he going to serve. You know, he just didn't particularly read the serve very well and also I just think he was trying to overswing a wee bit maybe overpress maybe he should have tried chipping a wee bit I didn't really see yeah. him revert back to trying to chip the ball just get the ball and play even he just that, yeah, I, do that. I, honestly I don't know if it's something he's got in his arsenal uh, like I, I haven't seen it from before I, yeah I neither have I maybe he needs to try and develop that but yeah exactly uh, if, if we were talking a little bit about Zverev's side of the game as well one massive stat that uh, bounces, uh, that it sticks out to me even. And throughout the tournament, if you've been keeping up with any of his matches, he didn't hit any double faults in the final, and he hit two double faults throughout the tournament, basically. Yeah, well, I think he can win the US Open. I, I did predict in one of the previous podcasts that he would um, have a really good hardcore uh, swing. I like uh, that. Yeah. yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think I was writing an article about the final. I said, you know, it's fair of. Um, but that performance, I compared it to Murray's win at the Olympics in 2012. You know, he went on to win his first major immediately after the Olympics, winning the gold in London. I think a similar yeah. thing can happen here because, like, all the pressures on Djokovic to win that US Open, and he can kind of kind of slip under the radar. Even like some Medvedev's probably expected to do better than he is at the US Open. So, um, yeah. team defending his title as well. So, I think all the stars are sort of aligning for him to win his first major in New York. You know, I think. Uh-huh. Certainly yeah. can. Why not? Yeah, I've serving like that, like almost definitely. Another stat as well that totally jumped out. I mean, this this just sort of goes to show how well he's serving at the moment. Is that he won sixty six percent of his second serve points throughout the week, which means he, uh, obviously without those double faults, that's a you know that that makes sense that it it would be so much better. But also, if you compare it to his or sorry this year how many second serve points he's won he, he was winning just under 50% so you're talking about won 15% more 15 or 16% more second serve points basically than this year and normally when he's in a match and you know he's feeling vulnerable in second serve we've seen him a lot of the time just go for that massive sort of over you know 200 kilometer an hour second serve 
it just goes to show he doesn't need it. He absolutely doesn't need it. He didn't once gamble on his second serve like the whole week. Obviously, two double faults. You know, like he he doesn't. He, he can do so much better, sort of thing. And it's like this is this is how good he can be, and it's quite scary for the rest of the field. It is, yeah. I mean, I always said, you know, people said it was all. Um... Is it a mental thing or whatever? I just thought, you know, I think when, especially when the court surface favours him, I think these fast kind of hard court sort of favours serve. I think that gives him confidence to kind of not not really tighten up in the second serve because he knows, okay, even if I hit the odd double fault, you know, I'm going to win a lot of my first serve points when I get my first serve in, you know. And I think that sort of gives him the confidence maybe just to free himself up a wee bit in the second serve, you know, um, not mm. to worry about double faults as much. Um, yeah. And I, I think he's definitely maturing in the way that he's playing. I think, uh, for example, today, I thought he was pretty aggressive. I think he used his weapons effectively today. I think in the past, in particular in big matches, maybe against Djokovic in the Australian Open's uh, quarterfinal, mm -hmm. he wasn't aggressive enough. I think he was kind of letting himself kind of get involved in the rallies, maybe not not uh, sure whether, when to go for it, when to be aggressive. But I think today he kind of got that balance right, and that's something I think if he continues to work on that, he can certainly dominate. Certainly, you know, when more than two, three, four, five slams in his career, maybe even more, because I think with that serve and forehand and the backhand, well, the backhand's the main weapon, but he's also got that forehand that when he's hitting it well, he's pretty much unstoppable because the backhand's yeah. so solid. I mean, we can talk about that Djokovic match as well, but like the way he was hitting the forehand against Djokovic in particular was just insane. And there was, I before I'd seen the match, I just assumed that Djokovic kind of fell away a little bit. But honestly, Zverev was just playing out of his skin for about. Zverev won it, didn't he? Yeah, certainly yeah, went on one himself. For, for about eight games in a row, he was just unplayable. Like he was absolutely killing every ball. That backhand to backhand exchange was just like Djokovic looked like second best every single time like yep. you can head it up the line Djokovic and Zverev was able to take it up the line with such ease it basically was like a role reversal almost it's, I mean obviously Zverev's got a good backhand but that, you know, not a role reversal but you know what I mean like he was he's, he had a better backhand than Djokovic that match at, at least like, it was just it was, a, it was crazy to watch it was really yeah crazy. I think maybe the match situation being a set and a breakdown maybe he just felt he had nothing to lose just thought stuff it, I'm just going to go out all out and see what happens and maybe, you know, you win a few points in a row, you string a few points together and then maybe you think, oh, hang on a second, yeah, something's happening here, he's going to get tight, you know, the Olympics mean so much to him and uh, he's going to get more nervous in his serve and yeah, you know, the stars lined for him and he was able to just continue it for like, as you said, eight, nine games in a row and just flatten Djokovic's chances, like, it's extraordinary. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Zverev was amazing. Um, yeah, we can both agree on that quite easily. Why don't we move on to Djokovic's match? And I'm saying Djokovic's match. You know what I mean? Basically, PCB's match, I suppose. But in the bronze medal match, uh, what did you think of that? And what did you think of all the yeah. controversy surrounding it? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, credit to Greenio Busta for playing one of the matches of his career. You know, mm -hmm. I think when he played so well in Hamburg to win the title there. And, you know, he was able to translate that into the Olympics. Very impressive. I always thought going into the match that Djokovic was going to be a very difficult match for Djokovic to play. only reason I say that is because his mentality is it's gold or nothing or yeah, winning a well, slam or nothing. Exact, exactly and what I thought. So, that, yeah. that match was kind of, it's not just not to disrespect, obviously, Olympic bronze medal, hugely, um, you know, high honour to play for that. But, like, it's such a come down for him. He was not wanting to do what we would enter apart from the gold. And he's going to have to get himself involved in you know very tough match. Quinio Busta playing some great stuff, and I think um, 
I always thought it would be difficult for him. For me, I think at the start of the match, he didn't show enough sort of impetus to get on top immediately. For me, he was just kind of going through the motions a wee bit, not hitting the balls cleanly as he could have done. There was no real emphasis or motivation shown. You know, he didn't get himself hyped up that much for, for the match. For me, he looked a wee bit flat. Dwayne um, yeah. Booster played some solid stuff, not his best stuff until the end of the first set. But um, yeah, and uh, I think you know, there was a lot being made about this throwing his racket and stuff. For me... You, you've got to answer yourself one or two questions. Would you rather have somebody throw their racket or smash maybe a couple of rackets a match, but they're hugely invested in it, you know, they're desperate to win, or would you rather go the other way, have a Kyrgios or a Benoit pair that's going to maybe hit some incredible shots, you know, cup, highlight reel off the charts, can hit some amazing stuff, but then on the odd day, you just can't be bothered and you'll lose maybe level one, not bothered, not invested in the match. I think... Part of the frustration is just being invested in the match, being desperate to win. I think if you're paying for a ticket or you know getting up early to watch a match, I think I appreciate the amount that he's investing there. Uh, and obviously, we, we've never really we can't relate to the pressure these guys are under. Um, these guys are playing not only for reputation; they're playing for ranking points. You know, they've worked all their lives towards this one goal. It's not good maybe for kids watching, but what I would say is that that's just part and parcel of what you're going to get in professional sport. <laughs> and with it being Djokovic, would it be fair to say that he's getting more scrutiny than other players would have got for his behaviour? You know, Greeno Boost himself was criticising Djokovic for his behaviour. Well, I think I'd like to remind you of the match between him and Nishikori at the Australian Open. Uh, fifth set. Champions tiebreak, Carino Busta lost it over a couple of line calls, didn't challenge. And then as he walked off the court, he shouted and bawled at the umpires. He went off the court and smashed his bags down in the court. For me, it's very self-righteous of him just to lay it in on Djokovic when he's not been 100% um, you know, free of poor behaviour either. That's a, good, that's a very good point. Yeah, that is, that is actually a very good point. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think it's for other players to call it. I would say that first. But I would say, I, I don't think... See, I don't think that's the, the two options, really. That's the thing, because you get players like Nadal and Federer and, okay, yeah, even those two, you know, occasionally sort of can not lose it but get angry. But it's how they deal with it. and Yeah, so I think, um, you know, we've seen Nadal ask for certain umpires not to officiate his matches. We've seen Federer make comments about players. Look, every player is going to have something wrong during their career. That's just a given during the professional career, everyone's going to do stuff that they wouldn't be proud of off the court. Um, but what I would say to that is, you know, that's part and parcel of professional sport. Where nobody's perfect. Everybody's human. Djokovic is playing for his country. We know how patriotic he is. If he's going to lose his rag, fair enough. Now, club players can't relate to that because we've not got the sponsorship deals for rackets. So, obviously, we don't want to throw rackets. We're thinking that's a bad thing. Obviously, it's not ideal. But what I would say is that um, these guys are professional athletes they're playing under such high scrutiny millions of people watching Djokovic is sitting setting the high standards in himself of I need to be perfect in this that and the next thing when it's not working you know he'll be frustrated and maybe he thinks that will G me up I mean we've seen Murray shout at his box numerous times his coach say some vile things to his coach but when they go off the court that's not how they are it's like multi-personality you know off the court they could be the kindest person ever but on the court if you want to win that's just part of the circumstances. For me, that's part of the parcel of professional sport. Yeah. I like that. It shows a bit of passion. It shows a bit of fight. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I, I do understand that. I would 
I think actually a first thing I'd say is as well more on that is that Djokovic maybe doesn't deserve as much stick. He definitely doesn't deserve as much stick as he gets. You're right. Like he he does get uh, victimized by the media and by fans as alike as well. Certainly, people who are invested in Federer and Nadal and that whole debate tend to um, tend to sort of crucify him a lot of the time. But I would also say I think Djokovic is an exception to the rule in that he has history of obviously with. PCB as well of actually like hurting somebody on court is kind of yeah he needs to he needs to think about something sorting something because he has had history where it's caused yeah. him a match. Well, I thing. agree and look I think the incident at the US Open was very very stupid what he did. As a rule of thumb, I know what you're saying. Like I, yeah, I, I mean, they might be like, first. I think there was an incident with Cameron Norrie in Cincinnati the week before where he hit a cameraman backs and nothing was made about it. And then it was instant with Roger Federer at the Australian Open in 09 where he hit a trick shot, hit the ball boy. I was actually watching it recently. And uh, instead of apologising, he actually just mouthed the words, uh, you need to be ready for the ball boy. Was there that much made about that? No. you got to give, you got to criticise all players if they do something wrong, you know. Um, but also I like to give players a bit of leeway, saying, you know, okay, it's not ideal, but, you know, they are in a pressurised situation. Off the court, they're probably totally different, you know. So... Yeah, as you know, just I see both points of view, um, but for me, it's just part and parcel of professional sport. Yeah, I, I mean that's a fair take on it. I would probably agree with that to some extent. What's your take on the bronze medal match? Put out, yeah. I I kind of I don't know. I don't know if I totally buy it to be honest. Like, I I think he probably was in exactly the same boat as he was. The PCB match doesn't want to go on a podium as a bronze medalist. I don't know. I could see him making an excuse because to be honest, like he. A shoulder injury for a mixed doubles match. I don't know that. Yeah, know. that that disappointed me. I must admit, when I first saw that, I thought, okay, he could be injured, but equally, you know, he's he's denying his partner a chance of winning a medal at the Olympics. That yeah. could be the biggest achievement of her career, Stonyanovic. You know, that could be like the the pinnacle of her career. Um, I think if you play two events, you've got to go all in in both events. You know, you can't just say I'm not good at singles. I don't want to play mix you know because I'm, I'm you know i might be a wee bit sore okay maybe that injury is dreadful or really really bad but equally if it's not bad you know for me you just played singles it was a three-hour match if it was really that bad towards the end of the match you would be literally in agony you know you would not be able to serve properly would not be able to hit a forehand probably he was still hitting the ball okay at the end of that match you know he saved four match points against cranial booster top 10 player yeah. does that prevent him from going out for the mixed doubles I don't know. We don't know the extent of his injury. Only he knows that. But for me, it was disappointing, personally. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. fair enough, exactly. We're going to leave it at that, I suppose. But yeah, I, I certainly thought it was a shame anyway. But yeah, maybe, I mean, it could be legit. So we, we won't speculate any further anyway. And yeah, uh, hopefully he's sort of, if he is injured, he's okay for uh, the US Open. But uh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. What about the ladies? Should we talk about the ladies final quickly? Yeah. Um, it was Belinda Bencic v Marketa Vondrosova. Mm-hmm. It was three sets. It was a pretty good match, actually. It was a really good match. You, you know, yeah. you didn't know where it was going to go. Nip and tuck, lots of breaks to serve, yeah. lots of swings and momentum. Um, in many ways, it was a microcosm of what women's tennis is, isn't it? Lots of breaks to serve, very unpredictable, mm-hmm. good long rallies, different yeah. game styles. Uh, Vondrosova taking pace off the ball, Bencic hitting a big ball from the back. Um yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, 
it certainly far outshone the men's final. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, by far. Yeah, really good. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. And the bronze medal match as well was Vitalina and um, Rubikina. You know, Rubikina set the breakups, Vitalina fights back, uh, takes the second set. Rubikina break up in the third set, Svitolina fights back, you know, struggled to serve out. I think it was like seven match points for that bronze medal. But, um, wow. yeah, both matches were superb to watch. Yeah, I, I really liked the, the Bencic Vondrosova one. There was just the swings of momentum were massive, I felt. Yeah. Certainly, Vondrosova on her drop shot, she didn't actually play it as much as I thought she would against Bencic. Um, she was she was happier to sort of sit at the back of the court. And when she was going all out, particularly her defense was just like, it was mad sometimes, like how yeah. good she was. Because Bencic was thumping the ball and she's literally defending everything really effectively and moving really well as well. Yeah, um, I think it's her ability to get uh, loads of spin off that lefty forehand sometimes. So there was yeah. times that Bencic was in at the net and she'd get an easy sort of Rafa-esque pass cross court. And uh, yeah, it was just it was brilliant stuff sometimes. I thought Bencic was a, a worthy winner, certainly at the end, when she was 15-40 down on her serve. Absolutely. She, she had an amazing sort of like Kerber backhand where she had her like knees she was like on her knees to hit it basically and yeah. only just hit the line that was probably the shot of the match yeah um, no fair play to her yeah she certainly yeah. had to earn that the hard way didn't she, she yeah. and obviously Silver in the doubles as well you know she's had a good yeah. Olympics yeah she's had a brilliant Olympics yeah like outstanding stuff and Von Drusseva as well um, to, to, to defeat Osaka earlier on in the week yeah. I think having seen her last two matches now yeah I think I, I, not not that it made sense obviously Osaka I think on top top form might have beaten her but she's just a tricky player and she's the sort of player she's the, the, the type of player that could beat Osaka I, I, like you couldn't out Osaka Osaka if that makes yeah. sense no you know no I mean? no you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it made sense in hindsight that, that, that she beat her like I was very impressed by her the whole week definitely yeah I no same Love watching somebody who's got the drop shot as their main weapon of choice. Like that's just it's, it's so good to watch different styles of tennis, isn't it? You yeah, know, it's yeah. nice not just to see everyone thumping it all the time. You know, it's nice to see a bit of touch, a bit of feel as well, a bit of different tactics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What should we talk about? Maybe if you've got one in mind, a favorite match of the tournament. If you don't <sighs> have one in mind, no pressure. I'm trying to think of one for me. Honestly. Like... Oh, yeah. go on, go on. oh, okay. Yeah, just the the church cranial booster. Um, I quite ah, like okay. that. Yeah. Because sure. I just like the, you know, it was one of those ones where you wake up in the morning and you think, I'm going to be watching this for like three hours here. You know, it was one of those ones where you knew there was going to be lots of good long rallies. And, um, you know, Church might not be in the best of form in the singles court at the moment, but he really played well in that first set. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe he can, you know, beat Daniel Booster. And I would have considered that a bit of an upset. But then mm-hmm. Daniel Booster came back, typical stubborn, not giving in, lots of good rallies in the back. You know, I, I thought it was a really good match to watch. Um, yeah, really I didn't. I didn't even catch. I didn't even catch that one actually. But I did catch the first Chilich match, which was <laughs> absolutely just Chilich. That was Chilich all over. I was like ten match points before he actually won or something. Five or something. Twenty-one Chilich. That is, yeah, no, yeah. beautiful stuff. Absolutely beautiful. It was mad. It really was. I, I'd like to see Chilich in non-Chilich form when he goes into the US Open. I, I, I'd like him to do well. Basically, is what. Yeah, I'm no, I think. Uh, it's one of those events where, like, he could just have one good event and all of a sudden he could play well again, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like one of those things because he is a quality player and he still is the player. Oh, exactly. It seems to just be the the mentality that's, that's waned over the years rather than the physicality, doesn't it? It's not yeah. like he's 
he's sort of old in the body, he's just old in the, the mind. Still serving bombs, so like, that's the <laughs> yeah, beauty of it. He's exactly. still serving like 125, 130 mile an hour bombs. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if he's playing well, then he's got a chance. He's always got a chance, I think. He's one of those yeah. players. Um, so, but yeah, it's just a, it was just so, it was chill, it was written all over it. It was absolutely mad, that match, honestly. If you've not seen it, catch a little bit of it, at least. Just mad, some of it. The the shots he's miss, missing as well. The other player, it's a pass of no, 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 no. It's Brazilian. It was, it was, oh, that's annoying me now. No, Menzies, that's it. Menzies from Menzies, Menzies, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he he pulled out some really good match point saves as well. To be fair, so yeah, that was probably my favourite on the men's side, and on the women's side, I think I'd have probably said that second match that. The semi-final match, sorry, for Androsova had against Fitolina. Okay, I know it was a Govins 3-1, but again, just absolute perfection on the drop shot over and over and over again. It's just so good to watch. and mm. quite, quite, you know, just inspiring to see the power of the drop shot. And you could think, all oh, right, okay, you know, maybe I should be playing that a bit more often. That looks really easy. Yeah. Obviously, it's not very easy. But uh, yeah, I mean, Svitolina was just like, helpless like it was just always such a perfect drop shot she could get there with time to spare but it was just so close to the net and so low down you know so yeah i really enjoyed that match did you have a favorite women's yeah bronze medal match i thought between rubikina and svetlina that was a really good watch um i thought on numerous occasions rubikina's got this and then svetlina just kept fighting back you know um i know people say oh svetlina she's not really great in the big matches you know she doesn't really turn up for them you she know. actually I, I was gonna say she plays so well when she's behind in the match yeah you know i mean when there's no pre- when the pressure seems to be off she just seems to find her yeah. best form you know that, that yeah. was great because so many times it looked like oh she's out of this finally we're going to put it away and she just wasn't able to um mm-hmm. but i like watching matches like that because it's like sort of um nip and tuck you know even when a player's behind you don't know how, how it's going to go you know i mean it was one of those matches where it was like yeah. so much on the line Going to be pressure on Rubikina. Svitolina can come back. Though this could be really interesting, you know. And even towards the final, even when Svitolina was serving it out, had she been broken, it would it could have flipped in its head again. You know what I mean? It was one yeah. of those matches. So yeah, that that was my favourite for that. Yeah, it's a good choice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was a properly dramatic one. So yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you to some extent there. Definitely. Should we, should we quickly cover the doubles? How much of the doubles did you see? Yeah, quite a bit. Tried to watch Mekic and Pavic quite a lot because I knew that they were the favourites. Um, in the first match against Melo and Demolina, they were five mm. love down in the first set tie-break and came back to win it. Like That's how good they are. Like, oh, I didn't like, know that. Yeah, right. five love down in the opening set tie-break to come back to win it. And I thought then, oh God, may as well just give them the gold medal now because it's like, yeah. if you can do that, then it's just ridiculous. No, they, yeah, they just that air of like complete confidence that they're gonna win any match, sort of thing. Like they just, I, I still, I'm, I'm gonna do an article on it at some point. I still don't know if it's just pure confidence or if there's a tactic that just kind of wins them more points. Yeah, I mean they played quite a few Champions tie breaks. I think the second round against Musetti and Sonego, they were like a mini breakdown in the Champions tie break. Just came back and reeled off like five points in a row. Obviously yeah. in the final the gold medal match, they had to play Champions tie break against Church and Doric. They had a five love lead. And then uh, Church and Doric came back and he only won that Champions tiebreak 10-7, I think. So it was nip and tuck towards right. the end. And actually, it was Mektic that got quite tight, but it was Pavic that just came up with all the stops. You know, hit a couple of incredible forehands. Yeah. Hit a great backhand return as well. Um, yeah. yeah, you can see why they're so dominant and certainly favourites for the US Open. You know, I don't see why they're not going to win that because, like, they've dealt with the pressure. You know, the only reason they teamed up really was because of the Olympics to play together. And um, now that they've 
met that expectation, they've met that pressure. It's like how dominant yeah. can they be for the rest of the season if they both stay healthy? You know, yeah, well, I, didn't, I, I didn't know that actually. That's cool. Yeah. And I, on the ladies' side as well, certainly Krejcikova and Sinyakova. Sinyakova. I've been doing really well in general. It's not too much of a surprise they won that, but that was yeah. also super close, was it not? It was um, Bestina and who's the other finalist? I can't remember now. Kudumatova. And... No, no. Well, it was Matova, yeah, it was, wasn't it? And they played super well as well. Like That, that was a super close match too. It's Pretty much all the doubles has been like extremely nip and tuck. So it wasn't like a given that Mektic and Pavic won, but at the end of the day, you know, they did. So yeah, they like, dominated the big moments, didn't they? And that's what yeah, you they, do. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it kind of the same on the, the ladies' side as well. And uh, the mixed as well. Do you know, mm. I, I've got a little bit of statage on the on the mixed. Did you know that Rublev and Pavlichenkova only won by two points in every single match? I knew they've had a lot of close matches. I didn't know <laughs> how close, but yeah. Yeah, so it was a, a match tie-break in every match. They had to save a match point in their final. They had to save a match point in their semi-final. Uh, it was incredibly close. Uh, I think yeah. they will be absolutely chuffed if Betsy's won a gold medal. Oh, that makes doubles match, like the uh, gold medal match. See the grunting in that vision. You know, grunt and Rublev. I think they were trying to outdo each other with the, how loud it was. Gee, I mean, I think it was something <laughs> in my ears. It's just yeah. whenever Rublev's under pressure, the boy seems to go up like a hundred times. It's beautiful to... It, beautiful it, a, lot, a lot of the time it doesn't actually... Uh, like it doesn't cover up the fact that he's actually feeling pressure. I've got to say, like in the doubles matches, Boya was going up, but in the the final, he was way more nervous than Pavlichenkova. Honestly, yeah, like, he, no, he no. was the one that, he was the one that put them in a bad position, and it was yeah. Pavlichenkova that had to dig them out of it. So uh, it was it was really entertaining, actually, really good mixed doubles final. I really enjoyed it. Pavlichenkova with a I think it was a backhand winner down the line and match put on a on gold medal point to the other team to Karat yeah. seven and. Uh, to Vestina. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Really, Games really good. the clutch moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed it, honestly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm quite a fan of, of Boy Boy, so it was good to see him, to see him get a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was good to see him get a gold medal. I, I did quite enjoy that. Um, oh, and uh, there was another one as well. In the semi-final, the match point they saved was a, it was like a reflex backhand volley from Pavlochenkova. So, two, like, super match point saves like yeah. to get to get them the gold medal. No, fair play. if you if you can play like that, you deserve the goal, don't you? I mean, that's just remarkable. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just before we move on, yeah, I've I've done it. I've I've made a very quick quiz on the Olympics just to see uh, if, if you've got your knowledge before we 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 uh, pack the Olympics away forever. Oh, so uh, wow. just just six questions. I'll I'll I won't time you too strictly, but at the same time, I'll need to cut you off just so the listeners aren't listening okay. to ums and haws for too long. But most, they're you know they're quite challenging, but they're they're all gettable, I think. Great. So, okay, let's go for it. Okay, so first question is: How many Olympic medals have the Bryan brothers won between them? That is a brutal. First question there. It's quite. It's quite. Tough. get easier. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go three. Three. Yeah. Three. Unlucky. Five. Five. Yeah. You've included the mix in there. But yeah, mixed in there as well, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it was Mike that won the mix, or uh, got bronze in the mix, I think, in 2012. And they won in 2012 as well, is that right? Both of them? And they got silver in 2008. Yeah. 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 So five. five. I, 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 I was surprised they had as many as that, actually, to be honest. Right, second question. Which country did Fedor and Vavrenka beat 
to win the doubles in 2008. That was Browns, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It no. wasn't. No, it wasn't. Did you beat the them in the semis? They may have beat them in the semis. I don't know who they beat in the semis, actually. If you don't know, you have to take a punt at a country. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with France. No, it's Sweden. 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 Yeah. That's a tough one, but at least in consolation, I don't think I'd have got that one. I just thought I'd... That was, that was the proper challenging one. I think they get easier from here. Don't worry, guys. Third question is, which tennis player has won the most Olympic medals in the Open era? Tennis player... Is this on across men's and women's? Or we... Across men's and women's, yeah. Okay. And I'll at least um, tell you they're a, they're a singles player. Yeah. Um, Venus Williams? Venus Williams. There we go. On the Boom. board. Nice. Well, at least you got one right. <laughs> there you can do uh, it with your, your head held high, at least if you have yep. to. So number four, which country has the most Olympic medals in tennis? That's a tough one. Well, it's... It, I won't say too much. I'm trying to think, so is this across singles and doubles? Yeah, across everything. Yeah, just across the board, everything. Yeah. So I'm trying to think, right? So I'll give you a clue, Gav. It's not just the open era, so there's no you wouldn't nearly be able to count them all. I would say. Right. Okay. Um, I'm thinking either Germany or the US, US, USA. It's Britain. Is it actually? Yeah, yeah, it's Britain. Oh. That's, a, that's tough, though. It was America second. Yeah, I thought US would be up there. Yeah, <sighs> so I actually I thought it was the US before I looked at it as well. So you were close. Close. I think, but yeah. Okay, number five. Who is the only male tennis player to win two gold medals at the same Olympic Games? Um, male player, is it? Male, yeah. Anyways, it's way too, early, way too late in the day for this. Um... <laughs> Twenty sixteen, not twenty twelve. I'm gonna go Kafelnikov. Oh, unlucky. Well, uh, do you know who won in two thousand and four? Yeah, uh, Nicholas Massou. It was Nicholas coach. Massou. Was it Massou? Yeah, it was. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Damn. He won the men's doubles and the men's singles. You yeah. were close though. I mean, you were. Close. I think what did Kafelnikov win in two thousand? Yeah, so four, you were four, one year, four years off. out. Yeah. Yeah, unlucky. Damn. Right, last one. Which tennis player is the youngest Olympic champion? Uh, which tennis player is the youngest Olympic champion? Oh, gee. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take an absolute punt in the dark here. Say Steffi Graf in 1988. That's wrong. Unlucky. Who was it's, it? the ne- it's the next Olympics. 92. Yeah, that's tough. Oh, dear. Monica Sellers, was it? No. no, it was uh, Jennifer Capriati. Yeah, I mean, no. see when you when you hear it, hear it, you're like, oh, obviously it's Jennifer Capriati because I, I I I knew that she beat Graf to like not get give give her the chance to get back to back Olympic medals. Yeah, basically. I just thought eighty eight was quite early in the Graf kind of dominant. Yeah, yeah, she she must have been young to be fair, but yeah, I think Capriati was sixteen. Yeah, that's why I was thinking Hingis won like loads yeah. when she was young, and I'm like, she didn't win gold so it was like graph pretty young i don't know yeah, yeah. Apart, from, apart from the five i got wrong i did all right <laughs> tough, tough questions to questions but yeah i think like you'll, you'll have to do your own quiz now to give uh, 
to get your own back at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> they were hard though. If you got if you got more at home, you deserve a gold star. I, I, I made sure they were nice and tough because I knew Gav would just eat them for breakfast if I gave him like who won the Olympics in 2012 or something like that. Yeah, so, no, no. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that was the question. Greatly <laughs> yeah. uh, put down there. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Right, Gav, what were we doing next? Can't remember now. Yeah, just right. about, briefly about the ATP uh, tour. What, what ah, yeah, yeah. Tour? Other, other stuff that's happened in case people have missed it, basically. So we had Casper Ruud won his third title in a row while everybody's been at the Olympics. And Kits, not Kits, Kitsbill, it was Kitsbill, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He won Bastard, Gestad, and All the commentators left behind that went at the Olympics were trying to make out that these two events were huge. It was just great watching them, like they were calling it as if it's the Wimbledon final. Beautiful to watch. Barely <laughs> anyone sitting in the stands like, oh yeah, this is a classic. But um, no, it was good. I was pushing it into it. I was pushing it a wee bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe a wee bit, but it was good. No, I thought um, those tournaments were good. A lot of people give those clay court tournaments stick, you know, after Wimbledon, why are we playing clay, blah, 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 blah. But no, Curious. I thought they were good. Um, I think Batista Gu, big disappointment. He obviously skipped the Olympics to remain in the tour, lost his opening round in Gestad and lost opening round in Kitzbühel. Um Casper Rue took advantage, but then again, you know, people are assuming it's just easy draws for Casper Rue, but you know, if you look at those draws, I know he didn't have to play Shapovalov, but you know, those like top quality players playing those events, you know, he wasn't just there for an easy title. Um yeah. he had to work hard to win those events. You know, he had to save match points against uh, Mikael Ima in the second round and um Oh, I didn't know that, yeah, he was he was really struggling with an injury and he had to save match point there and he turned it around. So um, he showed a lot of mental strength. Also the fact that he's fit enough to win three titles back to back, you know, without suffering fatigue. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Um especially in clay physical surface. Uh, I think that's his fourth clay court title this year. Because he won Geneva early on in the year. All two fifties obviously, but I mean Yeah, but he made the semi not... Monte Carlo. So great, great to see him playing well. But he still grew very disappointing. Um I, I never understood his decision not to play the Olympics and to play clay. Clay's never been his main strength anyway. Um, yeah. In Shapovalov, top seed, failing at a tour event again. You know, he's won one title on the tour, um, really underachieved at 250 level anyway. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a big worry. Losing to Capriva, who's ranked, what, 250-odd in the world um, after taking the first set 6-2. Disappointing, you know, he couldn't rein in the errors. Yeah, but obviously Wimbledon was, uh, you know, that was very um, motivating for him. You know, he, he knows how well he can play. It was maybe much needed, a sort of much needed adrenaline boost to his career because, you know, he'd kind of been dwindling a lot of the time and not maybe fulfilling his full potential. So I'm sure this, you know, that sort of loss at the same time won't affect him too badly. He knows how well he can play and over five sets now maybe starting to establish himself. I, I don't think he'll be too worried with that loss going into the, the US and certainly Clay's not you know, it's not actually he can play well on Clay, so I do get your point. Like it, it was quite a bad loss, I suppose. But I still don't think it'll affect him too badly going into the US. So Yeah. No of we'll, course we'll see. We'll see how he gets on. I think he's got a good chance of doing well at the US. Um I think it suits him more in the clay. Uh Obviously reached the quarters last year as well, so he's had history of doing well there. Um, just need to see if he can continue his form that he showed at Wimbledon. You know? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. 
Right, is there anything else we need we need to cover? There was there's a few other ladies' events, but there's not really any anyone massive at a lot of those events. Yeah, no, I didn't really was, see much of it. No, yeah, but because it was such a stacked field at the Olympics, we had Cam Norrie win his first title mm-hmm. over the course of the Olympics. Of course, yeah, yeah, he dominated he, that as well. Dominated. Yeah, that event, oh, he, he barely dropped. What did he drop? More than five games in any match, or is that an overstatement? I no, I don't think he did. I, I mean, he thrashed uh, Nakashima in, in the final. Um, he's yeah. in the final of Atlanta tonight, so like that's no mean feat. Um, yeah, really happy for him to win his first title. He deserves it. I mean, he's played really well this year. Uh, probably should have won it in. Ah, oh, sorry, yeah, Nakashima's in the final of Atlanta. Um, yeah, Cam Yeah, yeah. Uh, he probably should have won. Um, what was it? Uh, um, Estoril when he lost to Ramos Vinyalas in the final. Yeah, that, that, was, the that was the tough one to stomach. Definitely, I think he did say that helped him a lot. Though, Similar to Dan Evans in twenty eighteen, he should have won his first title in Delray Beach. Had match points and lost to um, Brother Albert. Yeah, 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 you know, no reason why he can't do well in the hard courts. You know, North American hard courts. Um, he can certainly do well at the US. Um, was it third round last year? Lost to David Rishikina, I think it was. Um, so he could, he could make the second week. I think if he gets a good quarter I'm thinking quarterfinal. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it depends on the draw. Obviously, if he's drawn with like Djokovic third round or whatever, you know, he's been very yeah. unlucky with draws and slams. He's had to play what Nadal twice, Federer at Wimbledon. Yeah, you know he needs a better draw, really. But yeah, he's, not, he's certainly beaten all the beaten all the players you'd expect him to beat. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say knocks out somebody like Schwartzman again, which is what he did last year at the US. Yep. You know, easily knocks out a top ten seed like Schwartzman. Then yeah, I mean the quarter could be possible. Um, I mean he he beat the majority of the players underneath him definitely. Yeah. So yeah, it's exciting stuff for Cameron. I'm, I'm, I'd like to see where he goes. And do we have any other results to talk about? That's kind of it, isn't it? That's just kind of it, yeah. Not been that yeah. much going on, really. Yeah, obviously outside of the Olympics. Outside yeah. the Olympics, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, we, we can we can wrap up there. Okay. And um, get excited next week for Gav's, like, super tough, challenging quiz. That's tough quiz, be yeah. Possible to... <laughs> I'm gonna make it, it's going to be like, how many sets did Rod Laver drop in 1953? Something like that. I love it, something like that. Um, thanks very much for... For uh, being here again, Gav. Yeah, Episode thank five. you. Yeah, uh, you've, you've stuck it stuck it through so far. So thank you very much. You can catch I'll Gav. Fall asleep immediately, but yeah. <laughs> you can catch Gav's work on Last Word in Sports. You can catch my work on JackEdward.substack.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, why don't you share it or something? I've not said that before. You know, why don't you share oh, the yeah. podcast or something? That would be brilliant. Uh, you know, otherwise, just you know, give us a like or something. I don't know, something along those lines. Thanks very much for being with us. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next time on the Online Podcast. Yeah, catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you.